Matthew, the sixth chapter. Look at your neighbor and say, going to church without your Bible is like eating spaghetti without a fork. You get a lot on you, but not a lot in you. I'm very excited about the, uh, the last message of 2018. This will be the uh, final message of this year. And uh, I, I learned recently that Macy's, how many ever shopped at Macy's or know about Macy's or what? Macy's has a, uh, a new logo or a new uh, banner that they've attached to their store. And it's simply entitled, Worry No More. Worry No More. And this morning for a few minutes, I'd like to talk a little bit about worry, the power of worry, or the disqualifying power of worry, or what worry can do, and what worry can cause. I know that you've heard me a thousand times of what was so ironic. We heard a message from the pastor of Mount Perrin, and I'm not saying he took this slogan from me. I took it from him. But he said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but never gets you anywhere. A husband was fussing about his wife, and he says, you worry all the time. Why do you worry? It doesn't help. It doesn't. She said, yes, it does. He said, what do you mean? She says, well, 90% of everything I worry about doesn't come to pass. Never mind. If i got to start explaining my, my jokes, we're going to be here. We're going to be here a, a long time long time worry is that worry is that anxious fearful troubled state of mind i remember the song a few years ago that we sang such a happy song uh, ain't got money rent is late landlord said he'll litigate don't worry be happy remember help me do, 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 do. you're not helping do, do, do. Don't worry, be happy. What a powerful thought, what a powerful statement, what a powerful antonym that we can live by. I like the proverb that says, Blessed is the man who is too busy in the day to worry and too sleepy at night to worry. That's a good place to be. Too busy during the day to worry and too sleepy at night to worry. Knowing Jesus as your Savior will, will provide you eternal life. Knowing Jesus as your teacher will give you the ability to live this life on this planet as God has planned for us. In Matthew, the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapter, we find a powerful, powerful truth, one of the most well-worded teachings uh, in, in history, and that is the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus took three chapters, several hours, and just began to teach to the multitude. And if you'll look at Matthew 6 and 25, I want to share six verses there, if I may. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they toil, not neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow's cast into the oven, 
how much more shall he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Look at some say little faith. Worry creates little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, in the King James translated, he's saying there's enough stuff going on today for you to focus on, enough stuff going on today for you to deal with, than for you to worry about tomorrow that isn't even here yet. And as he begins to talk and begins to encourage us not to worry, he gives us some truths that we look at. And the first truth he tells us, take a moment and consider nature. Look at nature. There are 9,000 different species of birds on this earth, 9,000 different species. Yet God provides the meal for every single one of those birds. You never see them punch a clock. They don't go to work. They enjoy being a bird, doing what birds do. Uh, I was in a tree stand a couple of days earlier and got to watching a pastor. Rhonda told me that when you see a red bird, it means something. And so there's been this red bird that's been showing up to, my, to where, I, where I've been hunting. I'm hunting angel stand, and the red bird keeps blowing in there. And I am so envious that in all of my intellect and all of my talent, all my ability, I cannot fly. Can you imagine what it's going to be one day when, like eagles, we take wings and we mount up to meet the Lord in the air and we do what a bird does nonchalantly every single moment of his life? But God said, I want you to look at nature. I want you to look at the bird. The bird doesn't work, but I take care of the bird. How much more do I love you than these birds? And certainly God loves us more than he loves the birds. Hello. And we're his children. And he says, if I, if I do such a good job with the birds, then don't worry. I'm going to take care of you. Everything is going to be okay. We used to sing a song that says, I got a feeling everything is going to be okay. And what is so crazy, the things that we worry about today never manifest they never they never materialize it's there it's the enemy's way of distracting us and frustrating us and trying to get us focused on the negative rather than be focused on the positive the second thing he says i want you to look at the at the flowers of the field look how beautiful they are even solomon and all of his wealth and talent could not recreate this and uh, many of you know that i have a perennial garden and there are times there were times last year when uh, I had uh, 30 different perennials bloom in my, in my garden, and I had tulips, and I had crocus, and I had lilies, and I had daffodils, and asters, and yarrow. And uh, when, you, when you look at a tulip, or you look at an orchid, and you look at the intrinsic, and you look at the, the, the detail that God put on that, on that orchid. Orchid is one of the most amazing flowers on the, on the face of the planet because they're so fragile, and they're so delicate, and they're so gorgeous and god is saying listen if i do such a good job clothing the lily of the valley even better than solomon clothes himself why do you worry about clothes why do you worry about food why do you worry about i'm going to take care of everything that's my plan i put you on this earth not to starve you 
or to frustrate you or to worry you or to trouble you, but I put you on this earth to enjoy the blessings that I provided for you as a type and a shadow of one day when we stand before God and we live in heaven forever and we see, we look back, as Pastor Ron has said, we'll look back on our life and there'll be times in our life when we did not know that God was carrying us. I love the footprints of the sand. We all know the poem. We all love the meaning is that when we were having a tough time, that's when God carried us, and that's when God watched over us. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's constantly focused on us. We are his pet. We are his prime creation. We're worth more than anything else upon the face of the earth. He knows that. He made us like him, and he takes care of us. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation for taking care of us? As we look through the Word of God and we see, as I mentioned, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you'll live forever. If you know him as your teacher, you will grow, you will produce, you'll become what God wants you to be. You'll pursue pursue your legacy, you'll pursue your destiny, you'll pursue that which God has for you. And we look at the Word of God and we see the doctrines of of the Bible, we see the doctrine of God, you know, there's one God in heaven. He created everything. And we look at the doctrine of Jesus. He lived on this earth and he gave us principles to live by and goals to accomplish. And we look at the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, how God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us to pursue our journey. And as we look at the doctrine of God, you can't look at the doctrine of God and not see the thousands. Someone said there's 6,000 blessings in the Bible that God has for you. 6,000 blessings that God has has for you and we look at the providence of god and we know from the word providence we get the word provision and we know that god provides for us and god said you know what in matthew 10 every sparrow that falls i take account and i notice god said every hair that falls from your head a dean you and i we keep god busy i looked at my brush today i said i don't know how many hairs that i dropped this week but there's some in the brush well god knows the exact number of every single hair that fell from my head. Maybe it was 12. Maybe it was like 72. Some of you is probably more like 75 or 80, and you, you brush your hair, and now we don't brush our hair. We, we hide the bald spots where the hair has literally stopped growing. God knows that. God sees all those hair wherever it falls, whether you're in the car, in the store, in a tree stand, on the jet ski. When that hair is gone, God says, there's another hair on every single one of us. That's how focused God is on us, and that's how much God cares for us. Can you imagine a God that watches even the hairs of our head? I think we should give him a hand that we, those of us that have hair, those of us that have perfect heads like Chris and Alden, we honor them, and they're able, they wear it well. I've, I've pondered, and, and Pastor Ron has talked me out of it like three times, but I've pondered, what would it be like just to shave my head? What, do, do I have a cool head? Do I have a head that looks cool? I know my best friend, Eddie Bolin, um, he shaved his head about, probably about, Be- Becky, what was it, five years ago, ten years ago, he actually shaved him and started being bald. And, you know, I told him, I said, Eddie, if I'd have known you was going to look this good, I would have convinced you at ten to, sh- to shave your head because you were so ugly when you were a kid. And maybe if you had that bald head, you know, you might be, you might be handsome, but it's, it is interesting that God sees every single hair that falls from our head. And the disciples got to a place where they got worried, and God said, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. I'm here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make everything right. When I think of sacrifice and I think of provision, when we look at God is our provider and God is provision, I'm reminded of the story of Abraham. You all know the story. 
that Abraham waited and, and believed God for a son. And we know that God gave Abraham a son by the name of Isaac. And God told Abraham one day to take Isaac to, to, to the mountain and sacrifice Isaac and Abraham in obedience to God. Got the wood, got the donkey, got his son. And they headed towards a special place on the mountain that Abraham must have known about. He must have sacrificed there before. And as they were had, headed to the place of sacrifice, Isaac, who was probably about 20 to 25 at this time of his life, he wasn't a kid, he was 20 to 25 years of age, and he knew all about sacrifice. He knew all about because his dad had sacrificed to the Lord before. And Isaac looked at his dad and says, Dad, we've got the wood, and Dad, we've got the fire, but Dad, where is the lamb? We don't have a lamb. We don't have a sacrifice. And Abraham kind of does a, King James kind of does a, a, a twist on the words. And Abraham looks at Isaac and said, son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. But I want to I delete the sacrifice at the end. And I want to say, here's what Abraham said. God will provide himself. God will provide himself. And they looked and there was a ram. A ram is a mature goat. There was a ram caught in the thicket. And, uh, and, 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 the, and the Bible says that Abraham looked at the ram, took the ram, killed the ram, applied the blood of the ram, and that was the sacrifice that God provided. And Abraham called that mountain Mount Jariah. And that's where we get the Lord shall provide. Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Aren't you glad that you have a provider operating in your life that provides for you and protects you and takes care of you? His son's already, go ahead, his son's already sacrificed that we don't have to die but we might have life and have life even more abundantly. I, I, when, I talk about, when I talk about worry and talk about stress and talk about frustration, and we look at that, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I look at my part upon this earth as a part of the church. I am accountable uh, to God. I'm accountable in my, in my money. I'm accountable in my finances. And at a very young age, God taught me the principle or the concept of tithing. I was a very young child, and uh, I remember I would do chores around the house and actually get paid like a quarter from mowing the lawn. My dad never was one on equal pay for uh, everyone. He always kind of took advantage of me and, and my labor. But I can remember, I can remember Saturday night, Becky, mom would sit out the ironing board, and for some reason, dad wanted his handkerchiefs ironed. And that was before permit press. So I know you can't. I know we're dinosaurs. I know you can't relate to that. But we go back to this permanent press, and I would I would iron the hand, the handkerchiefs, and Mom wanted the pillowcases ironed. Why in the world chewing the pillowcases? I never did figure that out. But I think I got a penny for the handkerchief, and I got a nickel for the pillowcase. And man, I would mow, and I would, and uh, we were watching Bewitch. Remember when Bewitch came out in black and white? And I'd be I'd be ironing. And then when I got done, I did a tally, and I would add up, and I was very good at math when it came to getting money. And, man, I did, I did not miss a penny. Man, I, put, I probably even threw in a couple extra just because that's the way I rolled. I was, I was a punk then. I'm a punk now. Now, just the way I rolled, and I would turn in my tab to mom, and I wanted to be paid right then. I didn't want to wait two weeks. I didn't want them to hold money. I, I wanted money right then. So I was paid right then on the spot, and I can remember Sunday after Sunday after Sunday as a child going down and take my, my tithe envelope and I'd write my tithe and I'd write my offering. And I would put that, that tithe envelope when the plate went by. And I know, 
I know that whoever counted the offering, I know that it had to be frustrating. I know for them to open that up and to pull out those 13 cents or 22 cents or whatever it was, I know that was probably frustrating or maybe they saw something that I had grasped and that was the concept of being a part of the kingdom and financing the kingdom. A lot of us are so concerned about our finances that the, the area or the thought of tithing or, or, or giving is scary to them. I mean, when you, when you think that God is asking for a tenth of what we gross, when you think about that, think how all that adds up, I mean, that's a lot of money. But if you start small, if you aim small, you miss small. And because I started when I was making 30 or 40 cents a week, it, became, it was easy to tithe, it was easy to give. When I was older and started going on to 30,000 a year and 50,000 a year and 80,000 a year, it was easy to write that tithe check out because I never looked at the amount, I looked at the percentage. And the percentage was 10%, and that's what, that's what belonged to God, and that's what was His. But sometimes we get so worried about finances. Can anybody relate? I mean, it's like money answereth all things. Money, money is a tool that God uses, He provides us with. He provides us with more than enough to meet our need. Prosperity is to meet your need and have enough left over to meet someone else's need. That's the definition of prosperity. And when you come to the house of God on the first day of the week and you sow in the kingdom, you're investing in lives. You're investing in the homeless. You're investing in, in, the, in the jail. You're investing in the administration of what goes on. Several years ago, and uh, this family has uh, through the years been very, very kind uh, to me when I was a single evangelist, and I went and had a... Uh, a very good revival in Rome, Georgia. I was there three weeks, and uh, there were hundreds, literally hundreds that got saved, and the revival just grew and grew, and we had to change locations. And uh, I remember I was driving from Rome to Cleveland for some reason, and uh, I stopped at a Sonic. And uh, as I stopped there at the Sonic, and I was not really a Sonic stopper, but it was on the way to the freeway, uh, I met the owner. And uh, the owner was from California, and used to fly a helicopter for the, the Lakewood Police Department. I grew up just a few miles, Becky, just three miles, I guess, from Lake, Lake. So we immediately connected. And then when he found out that I was evangelist, we began to talk about the things of God. They hadn't been to church, Becky, in 18 years. They had not been to church. They, they were in church when they dedicated their, their son or daughter, and they had not been back for 18 years. And we began to talk about the things of God and talk about the, the, the church and everything involved. And they found out I was in revival so they came to Rome, and the husband, the wife, the children, and two employees that night gave their heart to the Lord. The next night, the next night, all the employees were there that worked for Sonic. They were, he paid them all to go to church, and they all got, every single one of them got saved. And I, as I watched this family begin to grow and begin to mature and begin to, and I would, I would preach maybe in Atlanta. They would come to Atlanta. I was in Calhoun. They would come to Calhoun. And uh, as, they, as, they, as I went to Calhoun, because that was closer to them than Rome, they began to attend the Calhoun Church. And uh, I called the pastor one time and just checked them and said, hey, how, how are things going? He said, he said, they're doing great. They're a great family. They're real involved. And uh, God has really blessed their business. Uh, they were tithing, but they've just kind of stopped tithing. And that's just what preachers, that's preachers talk, you know, when, how healthy people are. And I said, well, what's that all about? So I went to the to the restaurant and called him out and I said you know I said God has blessed your family God has blessed your business and uh, you know you're, you've been tithing you start tithing you, you support me 
I said, what's going on? I said, well, said, you know, we, we were making $1,000 a week, and, and we were scrambling, and, and uh, we were tithing on that, and we, we tithed, and, and, and God helped us. And then we bought another restaurant, and uh, that restaurant began to double what the first restaurant was doing, and we went from 1000 a week to 1000 a day in gross sales. And I said, I said, you know, that's interesting. You could afford to tithe when it's 1000 but you can't tithe when it's 5000 I said, I'll tell you what. You love me. I love you. You believe in me. I believe in you. I'm going to pray that your income goes back to 1000 a week, and that will make you easier to tithe. And they said, oh, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. And through the years, this family has committed probably hundreds of thousands of dollars to the church they're a part of. They've been very, very good to us when we were a young church. Uh, they, they sowed a significant gift that allowed us to purchase, I think, like 200 chairs. So, they, so, so I've watched them. I've watched them grow. I've watched them mature. And if you're okay tithing on a dollar, you'll be okay tithing on $1,000. It's the principle, it's the, it's, the, it's the intensity in which God blesses us. God said, I'll chase you down, and I'll overwhelm you with blessings that there won't be enough to carry. You'll have to have somebody help you to carry. How would it like to go make a deposit, and you've got to have somebody to help you carry and take all your money to the bank? Do I have a friend in the house right now? So we see this, we see this, we see this fear of faith kind of like, fear of doing this, but faith in doing that. And so we see if we're, not carry, if we're not careful, worry will affect our faith. And worry will disqualify our ministry and disqualify our life. Because if we're afraid something bad's going to happen and we, we won't get involved because we're afraid we're going to get involved. I mean, I know people that, that can sing, but they're afraid to get up and stand in front of people because they're embarrassed. And I've asked, Lord, take that talent from them and give it to me because I'm sure not afraid to stand up, open up my mouth for your glory. So there's this fear, there's this fear of faith, and, and, and Jesus gives the answer. He says, listen, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the, the things of God. And, and we know that the enemy puts so many things in our life that are so distracting and so worrisome. Uh, I was somewhere, and wherever I was, there were about 15 or 20 people there, and every single one of those people, including myself, was on their phone. And we look sometimes at the distractions of social media, Facebook, cell phone, Twitter, Instagram, email, just a distraction It seems to, if you're not careful, you're on the computer for just a few minutes, all of a sudden you realize you've been there five hours. Can anybody relate? On the computer, on the internet. And we'll start Facebooking, and man, we'll, we'll read and we'll respond, and, and then we'll get a little argument here, and then someone will say something stupid here, and we, we, we comment back, how stupid are you? And then all of a sudden we get a little war going on, and then they question our, they question our manhood and they question our stand for God and, and all that. Man, it's a war. It's on, baby. Get, it, get that phone I'm, and, and, get that, and get that. Now, I'm just a one-finger texture, but I've seen some of you guys. I mean, it's amazing how you make that little, that little you know, what would happen? And uh, it, this happened to me uh, two weeks ago. I think Gene and I were together. But I went into the woods and left my phone in the car. I was so frustrated. I was so upset. And then last night, my phone had the, t it had the, it had the, the audacity to go dead on me. Right there in the middle of the woods, an hour before dark, 
I'm on Facebook, I'm cruising, I'm profiling, I'm styling, I'm, I'm putting little inserts here, I'm getting little words of knowledge here, little encouragement here, and the phone goes dead. How dare that phone go dead? But I, I dare you one day to just leave your phone at home. Don't take it with you. You'll be surprised after you get over the, the, the anxiety of, oh, my God, I left my phone. After you get over that, I think, I think one of the uh, main things that I, I deal with probably on a daily basis is I lose that puppy. How, how much have you been with me when I lost my phone? I lost my phone. <laughs> I lost my phone the other day. When it was in my, I'm not, it was in my hand. It was in my hand. I got out of the car, I got my coffee cup, I got my car keys, I got my phone. I'm walking, I go, well, where's my phone? I go back and look under the seat, in between the seat, and then I holler at the house, hey, dog, my phone. And, she, and it rings, and it's in my hand. The phone's ringing in my hand. And I'm thinking, man, I might be getting senile. The closer I get to 70, the more senile I think that I'm, I'm getting. But, you know, it, it is a distraction. And so I made up my mind to have two different lists, a to-do list and a not-to-do list. There's some stuff I am not going to do. There's some battles I am not going to fight. There's some wars I'm not going to get involved in. There's some distractions. I don't want them in my life because Jesus said, seek first. And when you begin to seek first, it seems like everything changes. So I made a decision, instead of pursuing the things that's on Facebook, that's on the phone, that's causing me worry and frustration, I decided to seek first. I decided to seek first his kingdom. I decided to seek first his anointing, his blessing, his calling, his direction, his joy, his love, his opportunities, his quietness. Hello, his victories, his wisdom, his empowerment, his fullness, his holiness. I'm preaching good now. Seek his inspiration, his priorities, his presence, his righteousness, his understanding, his zeal. I've decided to seek first the kingdom of God and let everything fall into place where it belongs. Can I get a hand in this house? There was this concert violinist. She was very good at what she did. She was, a, she was incredible, but she had got to where she could get no higher. She'd become a very incredible musician, but she'd reached a plateau where she couldn't get any higher. But it was her heart's desire to be a professional violinist, that, that, that she could do that for a living, that she could travel. And uh, so she made up her mind. She made a decision to, to, to look at her priorities. And she began to determine what that she was doing during the day that was keeping her from being a great violinist. And so she began to take note, and she realized she got up in the morning, she cleaned the house, she cleaned the, 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 the car, she cleaned everything, and then about 1 or 2 o'clock she got out and began to play her violin. And she decided, I didn't, I didn't determine to be the best housewife. I determined to be the best housekeeper. I determined to be the best violinist. So she flipped it, and every morning, the first thing she got, went, did when she got up, she began to play the violin. And she moved right to the position that she wanted to be because she put the priorities in her life as first. C.S. Lewis says Satan has three tools, a clock, a calendar, and a phone. And all those things, will, their interruptions 
their distractions. They will, they will, they will, they will take away from your, your priority. The Bible says, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. If you harden not your heart, God will speak things into your life today. There's enough going on today for us to deal with than to worry about tomorrow. Do I have an amen in the, in, the, in the house? In the 18th century, there was a man by the name of William Oster. And William Oster was a student. Uh, he was a young man at the university, and he found himself overwhelmed by worry, overwhelmed by doubt, overwhelmed by confusion, overwhelmed by where he was, the classes he was taking, and something happened in his life. He read a book, 21 words in this book, that changed his life. 21 words that changed his life. He went on later in life to be knighted by King Edward of England. He went on to be the founder of John Hopkins Medical Center. He went on to be a regent professor at the uh, Oxford University. And when he died, his biography took 2,000 pages, two full volumes of books that, that shared the things that he had accomplished. The 21 words that he read, our main business is not seek what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. Clearly at hand. Let tomorrow take care of tomorrow. Today, pursue the things that God has for you. Can we pray? Thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for the worship and praise. Thank you for Amy sharing with us a ministry that we could be a part of now that's a blessing. Thank you for the word, the power of the word. Thank you that we know that worry will get us nowhere, but we're just human nature. It seems to be in uh, an area that the enemy has, has, has focused on and has done well. Let us remember you are in control and we trust you. We trust you with all that you've given us to be a good steward over. We trust you with our legacy and our destiny and our future. We trust you that you're making decisions right now for our good. And we ask you to keep your hand upon us this week, that this would be a good week, that there's stuff that we would purpose not to do, to neglect. Things that have been robbing us of our joy, stealing our time, that we, we'd be a better timekeeper. We would be do better with the time that's allotted us. And this time next week, we would see some change because we're going to think first the things of God and his righteousness and know that you're taking care of everything else. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And you all said, amen.